power and This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. There are two words that have captured the mind and heart of people in the last uh, few years. They are the words apocalypse and Armageddon. Apocalypse and Armageddon. Just this week, just in the last couple of days, our current putative president has indicated that we need to be prepared for a nuclear Armageddon. The possibility of a threat of nuclear attack, either toward Europe or America or Ukraine by Russia. Armageddon. And then there's the word apocalypse. These two A words, apocalypse. People think of the apocalypse or people think of the word apocalypse as something portending something horrendous, something absolutely beyond the pale in terms of normal behavior, normal expectancies in our world and in our country. Each one of these words, apocalypse and Armageddon, seem to take on that kind of flavor for people. The interesting thing is that while Armageddon may have that implication, legitimately, the word apocalypse does not. Armageddon refers to a time when the nations of the world will gather together collectively there in the Valley of Jezreel, where many historic determinative battles have taken place, right there near what is called Tel Megiddo. It's the Hill of Megiddo. The Hill of Megiddo. So Armageddon is actually the English version of Har Megiddo, which means the Hill of Megiddo. Armageddon. And we're told that there will be a great confrontation of the nations of the earth there in the final great battle called the Battle of Armageddon or Har Megiddo. Even as we speak right now, Zion Oil is drilling there in the Jezreel Valley, very near Tel Megiddo, believing that the scriptures give indication that perhaps there may be a final great discovery of oil there in that area that would bless Israel and bring about future developments, prophetic developments in our world. Then we have the word apocalypse. The word apocalypse actually means unveiling. It doesn't mean something terrible. It actually refers to something supposedly and prophetically great. The greatest event of human history other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It refers to the return or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. After all of these years, after 6,000 years of human history, 2,000 years since his resurrection and crucifixion and life ministry, the apocalypse or revelation, the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so, as you well know, if you've been listening to this program long, you know that just a month and a half ago, my new book, Messiah, came out called Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. 
There's a reason why we called it Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, because it has appeared so very mysterious. And the more thought we give to the various concept of a messianic expectation or movement in our world, the greater the mystery seems to come clear. And why we need an unveiling of this mystery, because if we don't, there are hundreds of millions, in fact, billions of people who are not going to experience the apocalypse, the second coming of Jesus Christ, as a blessing, but rather will run to hide their faces and the rocks will cry out, no hiding place. There is no hiding place down here. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And what you may not know is that a Swiss company has now offered fortified luxury bunkers for the apocalypse. Now, when they talk about the apocalypse, they're not using the term in terms of unveiling. They're using it in a negative sense, more like for Armageddon or for terrible things happening. So, this Swiss firm, which supplied fortified underground residences, has unveiled its new Laharitage bunkers for ultra-high-net-worth individuals who want to ride out the apocalypse, that is, horrible times to come, bathed in the lap of luxury that they've grown accustomed to. Believe it or not, and we're not going to go into great detail here, but the company called Opidum, Opidum, commissioned a French architect to design the sprawling underground abodes for what he calls unprecedented times. And each one of these underground residences is offered for a minimum, notice a minimum of 10,000 square feet of space, a minimum. And the residences can be customized to the owner's taste, can even include extra facilities such as an extra-large garage, a private art gallery, meeting lounges, an indoor garden, even a spa with a private pool, all underground (coughs) and made to look like it's above ground. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? I don't know how much these would cost, but I could imagine that just one of them would probably cost a minimum of $50 million. A minimum of $50 million. Therefore, these are for the ultra-wealthy, the ultra-rich. Well, I wondered to myself, how do these people think they're going to survive such an event? They're all underground, and how long are you going to be able to stay underground and think that it's a blessing to survive. How long are you going to do that? And quite frankly, they have all kinds of filtering systems and uh, provision for air and so on. I wonder, though, if they're based upon electricity or any other form of energy, how in the world are they going to stay powered in order to keep air flowing, in order to keep air filtrated? at the levels that would be necessary, for instance, to withstand a nuclear attack. But I'm providing this to you, not for sensationalistic purposes, but to help us to understand, listen, 
whether you think so or not, the world is considering an apocalypse, Armageddon, and indeed, if they're believers of any sort, they're considering some kind of messianic movement in conjunction with the spirit of Armageddon or apocalypse. So today on Viewpoint, we are going to take a look at one particular group. One particular group that, uh, well, many would label as a secret society. Uh, It's secret to some and maybe not so secret to others. But we're going to take a look at this group and see why I would have included this particular group in our book, Messiah, Unveiling the History of the Ages. Would you like to wonder what group that is? Stay tuned, we're about to find out. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're taking a look at the the spirit, the messianic spirit, but looking at it from the standpoint today of a particular group, a historical group that has maintained intense secrecy, uh, secrecy over time. And it's a curious feature of our modern times, the number of secret societies that seem to be operating among us. And interestingly, these secret societies seem to be setting the global agenda behind closed doors. So what troubles some people about these secret societies is that they're dire threats to democracy. Because they take over from the people and their rule and tend to rule by an elite group of uh, individuals that have immense power, immense wealth, and thereby commandeer the rest of the world. John Kennedy, you remember JFK, back in 1961, made this statement about this. He said, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Well, that having been said in 1961, maybe it behooves us to take a look at some of these secret societies, and one in particular today. People have been intrigued, perhaps you have, with the idea of secret societies working in the shadows, and... As this article coming from the Russian Times today says, it would be hard to beat the Freemasons. Here's a group of characters that has piqued the imaginations of men throughout the centuries. Back in 1798, right at the time that our Constitution was being formed, John Robison 
a professor of natural philosophy and secrets, uh, secretary to the Royal Society of Edinburgh, published a book that made a big splash throughout Europe. The publication carried the lengthy title, quote, Proofs of a Conspiracy Against All the Religions and Governments of Europe, carried on in the meeting, the secret meetings of Freemasons, Illuminati, and reading societies, unquote. Now, had John Robinson attempted to publish such a book in our day, think what would have happened. He would have been completely written off, probably canceled out as a conspiracy theorist. But in 1798, the book was taken quite seriously. But there had to be a reason. Robinson himself was a Mason. He attempted to prove that not only the French Revolution, but also many other historic events of the day were the result of this secret fraternity's machinations. And aside from the question of whether Robinson was correct, in an equally important one, here's an equally important question. If the Freemasons are really up to no good, are they continuing with their shenanigans today? And to what extent? Former singer-songwriter and winner of the X Factor in Australia, Attilian Childs, shared a five-hour video where he proclaims that nearly every Western institution has been infiltrated by the Freemasons to the point where it is nearly impossible to rise to high office from the world of entertainment to politics and everything in between without the silent nod of this international fraternity. Believe it or not, that video had been viewed nearly four million times. I mean, it, it, it may be easy to laugh off some of these claims. And there are other societies that make no secret about their secrecy and have much more tang- tangible claim to controlling the world, like the World Economic Forum, or the Bilderbergers, or the Skull and Bones Group. These are all secret societies made up of elites in the world who refuse to divulge their membership and yet have such immense power that three presidents of the United States were members of the Skull and Bones, including George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush, and then also John Kerry, who ran for president. So these societies apparently have great import and great meaning and apparently are conceived by those who are members as being of immense importance, if not power. And why is it that a few years ago there were literally wars going on in the Southern Baptist Convention because many, many of the pastors were members of the Freemasons. How could you be a member of the Freemasons and be a pastor with your sole allegiance to Jesus Christ? How could that be? But they were, and many still are. And so it became a point of great struggle within, yes, even the Southern Baptist Convention. The largest denomination, evangelical denomination, in 
America. So we can see this is not just something out there. It's not just something out there among the rank-and-file pagans. It has infiltrated, yes, even the church. That having been said, and having laid that foundation with, you might say, sort of an opening statement here, I want to talk with you about the Masonic Messiah. Chapter 18 of my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, is called The Masonic Messiah. I want you to listen to this quote. The Masonic Oath Initiate has, in effect, sold his soul to a spiritually fraternal bond in a counterfeit messianic movement to unite the world in a new order of the ages. Were you able to to absorb that? I'm going to repeat it because it goes to the very heart of this issue. You see, we're talking about a messianic era. We're talking about a messianic movement. We're talking about messianic expectations. We're talking about a Messiah. But who is he? And how is he defined? The messianic oath initiate, in other words, the one who takes the messianic oath at the very beginning, has, in effect, sold his soul to a spiritually fraternal bond in a counterfeit messianic movement to unite the world in a new order of the ages. In other words, a new world order. So the reality is that Freemasonry isn't free. In truth, to be a Freemason is going to demand your ultimate worship. It's a fact that is secretly kept from the new adept as he's progressively discipled through the ever-ascending degrees led by worshipful masters toward the ultimate unveiling of the glorious goal of the craft. Notice the word unveiling, the ultimate unveiling of the glorious goal of the craft, which is not made manifest to those who are initially entering Freemasonry. So it's very seductive. Why are men, by the way, worldwide drawn into the receptive waiting arms of Freemasonry? There are a number of reasons. It's not that hard to figure out. Men want to belong to something they deem bigger than themselves. They have a craving to belong, deeply engraved in the human soul and history. And when that yearning for a sense of brotherhood is perceived to be wedded in some way to some seemingly spiritual environment, then those needs are met. So, in effect, the local and global gatherings of the members become like a surrogate church or synagogue to which one must ultimately pay his vows or suffer not only excommunication, but even potentially loss of life itself. So, it's a quasi-spiritually bonded band of blood brothers committed without reserve to an ultimate cause, the truth and death of which is always clothed in secrecy and mystery until the final unveiling. So that that shocking truth is the reason why we have to uncover this matter of Freemasonry to see its global messianic significance. So it's a universalist fraternity of faiths is what it really is. We don't have time to go into all the depths of Freemasonry, and if you were to read my book, Unveiling the Mystery of uh, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, chapter 18 is dedicated to this subject. 
many of you, because you have friends, relatives, or those that you know who have been involved or are involved in Freemasonry, you owe it to yourself to get a copy of this book for that reason alone. It's going to reveal things to you that are impossible to deny. Impossible to deny because it contains quote after quote after quote from Freemasons themselves, including those of the highest orders. So in effect, what we're doing here in this book with regard to that chapter is revealing not only that which is held secret, but we're also revealing the spiritual nature of it that is leading untold perhaps millions of people astray. And through those leaders who are led astray, they will help facilitate the new global order or the new order of the ages, contrary to the word of God. In other words, they will help facilitate the move and appearance of the Antichrist. So, at root, even though it appears sometimes for many that Freemasonry is a Christian institution, it is not. It contains many elements of a religion, teachings that enjoy morality, charity, and obedience to the law of the land. But, the one who is applying for Freemasonry for admission is required to believe in the existence of a supreme being and in the immortality of the soul. They're not required to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a very important thing to understand. In fact, all they have to believe in is that there's a higher power, a supreme being by whatever name you want to call him or her. The Masonic view is that, quote, the Bible is only one of several volumes of sacred law, all of which are deemed to be equally important in Freemasonry. So the uh, Buddhist sacred literature, the Hindu sacred literature, uh, the sacred literature of every religion is deemed to be of equal value and should be respected and embraced. Freemasonry invites people of all faiths, even if they use different names for the so-called nameless one of a hundred names, they are yet praying to the one God and Father of all, thus establishing what seems to be the syncretic foundation for unifying all religions into mutual embrace for global unity. So, another way of putting that is, For the true Mason, there is no exclusivity in Jesus Christ or the triune God, who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is no doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ in Freemasonry. In fact, it's deemed to be unmasonic to invoke the name of Jesus when praying or to mention his name in the lodge. So, suggesting that Jesus is the only way to God, contradicts the very principle of tolerance for them. So, 
the name of Jesus has been omitted from biblical verses that are used in Masonic rituals, reducing Jesus on the same level as all other religious leaders. And then, through symbols and emblems, Masons teach that man is not sinful, just rude and imperfect by nature, and human beings are able to self-improve their character and behavior in various ways, including acts of charity, moral living, and voluntary performance of civic duty. So mankind, humanity, possesses the ability of moving from imperfection toward total perfection. Do you realize, friends, what that is? That's making you your own Messiah and Redeemer. The God and Messiah of Freemasonry is you. I want you to think about that after we get back from this break. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Back to Viewpoint. Today we're looking at one aspect of the Messianic movement throughout the world. We're looking particularly at the Masonic Messiah. Now that may come as a strange idea to many people uh, because it's a secret society and very little has really been known about it. But that doesn't mean it isn't real. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that it isn't powerful. It works behind the scenes. Just like the World Economic Forum, uh, the Bilderbergers, the uh, Skull and Bones, all of these various secret societies work behind the scenes, and those who are members of them, which are deemed to be the elite of the world, believe that those societies are extremely important and indeed powerful to guide if not rule the world that's where they're coming from and you have to understand their viewpoint because viewpoint determines destiny so today we're unveiling the viewpoint of freemasonry now let's suppose that you have been introduced to freemasonry and you Uh, made the initial oath, and maybe you moved up to the third degree and so on. And you took those oaths and you said, oh, those don't really matter. It's just a formality. It's just this. It's just that. Oh, my friend, you bound yourself to an oath. And before God, you're bound to that oath. Maybe you didn't realize that. And the Bible says, don't say before the Lord it was an error. 
This is very important. And we need to know what is behind the scenes in these various groups because they, in their individual ways, are paving the way for a unique unity, syncretism of all of their ideas, all of their doctrines, all of their beliefs, which are counterfeit and contrary to the the word, will, and the ways of God as expressed in the Scripture, and therefore are, in effect, leading the world and its peoples to embrace what will be not only a one-world order or a new order of the ages, but a one-world religion in order to accomplish it. And even the Pope knows that because he is involved in it. Now, I'm not saying he's involved in Freemasonry. I have no knowledge about that. That isn't the point. He embraces, Pope Francis embraces syncretism, the merging of the religions. And that's the reason why this very year he's establishing the uh, uh, religious memorial there of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism right there in Dubai. Abu Dhabi, that is. All right. When a Christian takes the oath of Freemasonry, he's swearing to the following doctrines that God has pronounced false and sinful. Now, before we get into those, I want to urge you to get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Friends, I tell you, this really is an unveiling. It's helping people, all of us, yours truly as well, even as I researched this book, to understand more completely the dynamics of why things are so seductive and why Jesus warned about the massive deception that was going to take place and is already taking place in our world just before his coming. Messiah. It's on our website, saveus.org. $22. We'll put it in your hands. Take your time reading it, absorbing it. And I think it will be tremendously meaningful to you as is reported to me by others who either have written or are already reading the book. So, $22 on the website, saveus.org. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, or you can call us at one 800 save usa If you're writing a check, by the way, at $5 for postage and handling. All right, here we go. Here are the doctrines that God has pronounced false and sinful but are at the foundation of Freemasonry. Number one, that salvation can be gained by man's good works. Number two, that Jesus is just one of many equally revered prophets. Number three, that they will remain silent in the lodge, that is, silent about Jesus. Number four, that they are approaching the lodge in spiritual darkness when the Bible says Christians are already in the light. Number five, by demanding that Christians or Jews take the Masonic oath, 
masonry leads Christians and Jews into blasphemy and taking the name of the Lord in vain. Number six, masonry makes Christians take a universalist approach in their prayers, demanding a generic name be used so as not to offend non-believers who are Masonic so-called brothers of another religion. Number seven, by swearing the Masonic oath and participating in the doctrines of the Lodge, Christians are perpetuating a false gospel under oath, committing to Masonry's plan of salvation to get to heaven. By their very membership in such a synchristic type organization, they have severely compromised their witnessing as Christians. That's at a minimum. So, believe it or not, these blood oaths of the brotherhood, they're, they're pretty amazing. So they, they put a very heavy burden on the shoulders of a mason when he joins the lodge. He's no longer his own man. He has to obey unseen powers that are set above him, whether he agrees with them or not, or else he's going to pay a penalty, even death. So he enters in, believe it or not, the Freemason enters into a blood covenant, which if he blatantly breaks, he meets a most gruesome death, which he has already pronounced against himself. So Masonry thus becomes either his savior, Messiah, in which he trusts, or his ultimate judge. Now, I don't want to belay, uh, to, to, to press on something that you have heard, that most of you have heard before, but maybe you haven't. So I'm just going to read to you the oath of the Blue Lodge Mason, degrees one to three. This is starting out in masonry. It might give you a shocking insight into the quasi-religious bondage of the Masonic Brotherhood. Are you ready? All this, this is the oath. All this I must solemnly and sincerely promise and swear with a firm and steadfast resolution to keep and perform the same without any equivocation, mental reservation, or secret evasion of mind whatsoever, binding myself under a no less penalty than having my throat cut across, my tongue torn out by its roots, and buried in the rough sands of the sea at low water mark, where the tide ebbs and flows twice in 24 hours, having my breast torn open, my heart plucked out and given as a prey to the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air, having my body severed in twain, my bowels taken from there and burned to ashes, and the ashes scattered to the four winds of heaven, that no trace or remembrance may be had of so vile and perjured a wretch as I." should I ever knowingly violate this my solemn obligation of an entered apprentice mason, fellow craft mason, so help me God and keep me in the performance of the same. Wow. It was a very famous murder that took place, the William murder of William Morgan back in the 1800s. He was a Mason, and he converted to Jesus Christ and forsook Freemasonry, and they murdered him for it. 
They held him to his oath and murdered him. And it became a great mystery, even the murder of William Morgan. It's part of the demonic history of Freemasonry. Charles Finney, in his book, Freemasonry, says that Masons are to embrace the prevalent religion, whatever it is, and accept whatever is claimed in any country that they reside to be the law and will of God. So Charles Finney, the evangelist, says, now if this is so, how can Freemasonry be true religion or at all consistent with it? Multitudes of Universalists and Unitarians and of errors of every grade are Freemasons, and yet Freemasonry itself claims to save its disciples to conduct them to heaven. In a Christian nation, it professes to receive Christianity as a true religion. In Mohammedan countries, it receives the Quran as teaching the true religion. In heathen countries, it receives their sacred books of as much authority as that which is claimed in Christian countries for the Bible. Now, What's the problem here? This, my friends, Freemasonry is used as a means to unite the peoples or men of the world in a so-called brotherhood that embraces all religions and their messianic expectations as co-equal. Therefore, The use of Freemasonry is to unite the world for power and to create world peace by compelling every man, woman, and child to agree. Isn't that the spirit of the age today? Isn't that really what's happening through the false tolerance movement today? Isn't that really what cancel culture is ultimately about? It is. This is dangerous stuff. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. If we were to try to unveil the so-called Masonic light, We would have to get into a word you've probably heard called the Illuminati. Illumin, enlightenment. You can begin to see why it's called the Illuminati. 
It is both a political and a religious concept. People have to be illumined. They're in darkness, and Freemasonry is going to illumine them to give them light. And through the influence of French Illuminati, a dramatic and continuing anti-Christian force, unbeknown to most, infiltrated every aspect of America's institution that has defined the trajectory of American government, law, education, economics, and even churches. So great was this concern that upon the election of John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States, when he learned of the odious Masonic obligations and partialities, he united his National Republican Party with the anti-Masonic Party, Masonic Party, which ultimately became known as the Whig Party. In 1845, he wrote of Freemasonry, a more perfect agent for the devising and execution against church and state could scarcely be conceived. This is strong language, friends. These are people who were experiencing it in the very depth and warp and woof of his impact on our country and the future. There is so much in my book, this chapter 18 called Masonic Messiah, that we do not have time to go into. But I'm trying to get across uh, to all of us the significance of this and why it is you need to know more because you may very well have friends. You may think that Freemasonry is innocent. And it's directly linked to the Illuminati. May 1st, the day the Illuminati was founded, has become a universal warning to the world's citizens. You know what it's known as? May Day, May Day. May 1st was such a catastrophic day in the revolutionary history of the world that it has since been woven into our societal consciousness as May Day, May Day, when transmitted along radio waves as the international signal of distress. But if the word Illuminati means the enlightenment of the enlightened ones, where does the enlightenment come from? Would you like to know? Are you sure? The reality of what we're about to talk about connects mis- uh, the Masonic movement with the Messianic movement inextricably. And you will see why it is so important that this have been included in my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. So, what we're talking about here is not sensationalist. It's, uh, it's the real deal. Adam Weishaupt introduced this Luciferian concept or thread that shouldn't be taken lightly as we look at the mystery of the ages that has to be unveiled. He was a professor of religion and former Jesuit, used symbolism to conceal both the God and the assignment of the Illuminati. 
In Mystery Religions, he said, making a thorough examination of its etymology, we discovered the disturbing truth that Illuminati means those who emulate Lucifer or the followers of Lucifer. The word Lucifer is a Latin word that means light bearer and was originally the name for the planet Venus known as the Morning Star. And so, if you were to go to uh, the Bible, you would find in Isaiah chapter 14 a description of Lucifer. Now, Albert Pike, one of the preeminent leaders of Freemasonry of all time, speaks by analogy of the then king of Babylon that is generally understood as prophetic reference to, to Lucifer or Satan's role. Yet confusion remains and has been perpetuated through Freemasonry as to the identity of Lucifer by the preeminent general Albert Pike. He was a revered 33-degree Mason, an adamant Luciferian, as a Luciferian, however, he refused to believe Satan and Lucifer were the same personality. He said Satan is the figment of the imagination of Christians. Lucifer is God, and unfortunately Adonai, the God of the Bible, is also God, he said. The absolute can only exist as two gods. Thus, the true and pure philosophic religion is the belief in Lucifer, who is the equal of Adonai, but Lucifer, God of light and God of good, is struggling, he said, with humanity against Adonai, the god of darkness and evil. So he calls Jesus, Adonai, the god of darkness and evil. This is Albert Pike, a thirty revered 33-degree Mason, who later rewrote the Scottish Rite rituals in his book, Morals and Dogma. It's given to every third-degree Mason. In that book, he states that the true light of the world is Lucifer. So, for Pike and those who followed him, they rebuilt American Freemasonry on the principal doctrine that Freemasonry's great architect of the universe is actually the fallen angel Lucifer. Are you listening? Then, just to show you how this gripped our country, in 1859, excuse me, 1959, when I was nine years old, Freemasonry published in its New Age magazine its victory over parents, declaring, every Mason becomes a teacher of Masonic philosophy to the community and the craft is the missionary of the new order. Notice the new order, a liberal order in which Masons become high priests. We proclaim that this Masonic philosophy, which has brought forth a new order, has become a reality by the establishment of the public school system financed by the state. Are you beginning to see how this made its way? 
Freemasons invaded public education in this country to turn it away from the creator God of the Bible to Lucifer. It was the Luciferian Albert Albert Pike who, in October of 1885, envisioned the ultimate trajectory of Freemason so-called truth in virtual combat with evangelical Christianity. So he presented his plan for Freemasonry's type, a triumph over the precepts of the Christian faith and its vision of a common Messiah as both Prince of Peace and Righteous Judge. He presented his plan on the floor of an international Masonic convention in Paris, France, for all 33-degree Supreme Councils of Scottish Rites worldwide. And here was his speech. Listen. Supernaturalism, meaning Christianity, authority, meaning European monarchies, and anti-Masonic activity in the USA must be destroyed, he said. Freemasonry shall accomplish this by materialism of conscience, of education, and of state. This must be imposed upon the family, the nation, and on humanity. By every means, whatever they may be, one must impose first on the family, then on the nation, in order to achieve the aim of imposing on humanity. Really? Masons through the U.S. then flocked to join local Protestant churches working their way into leadership, even into pastoral positions through the conservative Southern Baptist Convention in order to carry out that agenda. So, You could say the divine identity is in a Luciferian crisis. If, as Freemasonry holds, Lucifer is the god of light and of good, and Adonai, Christ, the god of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the god of evil, then by Freemasonry doctrine, one must necessarily pursue Lucifer as the ultimate savior and messianic figure. But how is that accomplished? By what human means is that identification confirmed? Huh. Well, the Mason, through his own mouth, declares his identification with Lucifer's envious declaration, I will be like the Most High. Do you know that Freemasonry requires the Mason to identify himself by the very words that God said would be his eternal name forever? He is required to declare himself in the words of Lucifer or Satan, I will be like the Most High, I am the I am. The very thing that God said to Moses, this is how you will describe me to the people. I am, has sent me. Masons now are required ultimately at some point to declare, I am that I am, 
He becomes his own Messiah. So, I guess you could say the Messianic dots of Freemasonry are then connected. The Masonic Messiah has been unveiled. As with all New Age spirituality, you then are Messiah. And becoming a Messiah made in your own image. The Bible calls this blasphemy. What do you call it? Are you beginning to understand why I wrote the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Age? And that's just one chapter. That's just one chapter of many. What we're looking at, friends, is something that is so unbelievable, seemingly. There are 30 chapters in this book. The mystery of history is the opening of part one. The mystery of history. And history hides its mysteries, but not anymore. It's being revealed right here in this book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, so that you and I and those we care for, those we love, pastors, your people, if you get the book and read it from your heart, you will begin to understand what many of your people are going through, and you don't even realize it. You don't know. This is the spirit of the age. You will save yourself. You are ultimately becoming the Messiah. At every point, it's not just Freemasonry. We'll talk more about this at another time. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Get a copy of the book Messiah on the website saveus.org. Saveus.org. will put the book in your hands. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23295. And please, seriously consider, we're preparing the way of the Lord, friends, for history's final hour. You want to be part of that? Become a partner. Pray with us. Pray for us. And connect with your pocketbook. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.